Hello and welcome to My Daily Trivia. I'm your host, Danny. Today is Thursday, August 24th, and I hope that you are having a wonderful day. If this is your first time listening, I want to say welcome. My Daily Trivia is a 10-round quiz show with no specific themes, topics, or categories. We do, however, have a new episode every day, Monday through Friday, with each day getting progressively harder. So today is, of course, Thursday, which means that today will be relatively challenging. As always, if you do find this episode to be a bit hard, I encourage you to listen to our other episodes throughout the week. I encourage you to check in tomorrow on Friday. You never know, you might surprise yourself, you might know the answer to some questions, and if you don't, you might learn something along the way. If, however, you find this episode to be a bit simple, well, then check in tomorrow on Friday. It's going to be the hardest day of the week. So without further delay, Let's get into today's round of questions with question number one. Which gulf is located between the Arabian Peninsula and the Horn of Africa? And that answer there is the Gulf of Aden. The Gulf of Aden is a deep water gulf in the Indian Ocean between Yemen to the north, the Arabian Sea to the east, Djibouti to the west, and the, pardon my pronunciation, the Gardufi Channel, Socotra and Somalia to the south. In the northwest, it connects with the Red Sea through the Bab al Mamed Strait, and it connects with the Arabian Sea to the east. To the west, it narrows into the Gulf of Tajura in Djibouti. The Aden Ridge lies along the middle of the gulf and is causing it to widen about 15 millimeters per year. The ancient Greeks regarded the gulf as one of the most important parts of the Aetherian Sea. It later came to be dominated by Muslim traders as the area around the gulf converted to Islam. From the late 1960s onward, there started to be an increased Soviet naval presence in the Gulf. The importance of the Gulf of Aden declined when the Suez Canal was closed, but it was revitalized when the canal was reopened in 1975 after being deepened and widened by the Egyptian government. The coastline also supports many isolated fishing towns and villages. Local fishing takes place close to the shore, with sardines, tuna, kingfish, and mackerel making up the bulk of the annual catches. So once again, that gulf is called the Gulf of Aden. Moving on to question number two. What is the name of the long-distance hiking trail that stretches approximately 2,000 miles, or about 3,500 kilometers, along the eastern United States from Georgia to Maine? that hiking trail is called the Appalachian Trail. The Appalachian Trail, also called the AT, is a hiking trail in the eastern United States, extending almost 2,000 miles, or about 3,500 kilometers, between Springer Mountain in Georgia and Mount Katahdin in Maine. It passes through 14 states, and the Appalachian Trail Conservatory claims that the Appalachian Trail is the longest hiking-only trail in the world. More than 3 million people hike segments of the trail each year. However, thru-hikers walk the entire trail in a single season. The number of thru-hikers per year has increased steadily since 2010, with 715 northbound and 133 southbound thru-hikers reported for 2017. The Appalachian Trail Conservancy 
estimates that there are over 3,000 attempts to traverse the entire trail each year, only about 25% of which succeed. If you want to learn more, there are many books, documentaries, and websites that are dedicated to the pursuit. Moving on to question number three. What does the acronym AIDS stand for? That's A-I-D-S. AIDS stands for Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome and is the most advanced stage of HIV infection. AIDS is a spectrum of conditions caused by infection with the human immunodeficiency virus, or HIV. Following initial infection, an individual may not notice any symptoms or may experience a brief period of influenza-like illness. Typically, this is followed by a long incubation period with no symptoms. If the infection progresses, it interferes more with the immune system, increasing the risk of developing common infections, such as tuberculosis. HIV and AIDS is spread primarily by unprotected sex, contaminated hypodermic needles for blood transfusion, and from mother to child during pregnancy, delivery, or breastfeeding. So once again, AIDS stands for Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome. Moving on to question at number four. Which 2016 movie is based on the real-life story of Billy Milligan, a man with multiple personality disorder who is charged with several crimes? And that film is called Split. Split is a 2016 American psychological thriller film written, directed, and produced by M. Night Shyamalan and starring James McAvoy, Anya Taylor-Joy, and Betty Buckley. The film follows a man with a disassociative identity disorder who kidnaps and imprisons three teenage girls in an isolated underground facility. The film is loosely based on the story of Billy Milligan, an American man who was the subject of a highly publicized court case in Ohio in the late 1970s. After having committed several felonies, including armed robbery, he was arrested for three rapes on the campus of Ohio State University. In the course of preparing his defense, psychologists diagnosed Milligan with disassociative identity disorder. His lawyers pleaded insanity, claiming that two of his alternate personalities committed the crimes without Milligan being aware of it. He was the first person diagnosed with disassociative identity disorder to raise in such a defense, and the first acquitted of a major crime for this reason, instead spending a decade in psychiatric hospitals. So once again, the film that's based on this, that story is called Split. Moving on to question number five. What is the name of the phenomenon in which an animal disguises itself by imitating the appearance or behavior of another animal or object? The answer there is mimicry. In evolutionary biology, mimicry is an evolved resemblance between an organism and another object, often an organism of another species. Mimicry may evolve between different species or between individuals of the same species. 
often mimicry functions to protect a species from predators, making it an anti-predator adaptation. Mimicry evolves if a receiver, such as a predator, perceives the similarity between a mimic, which is the organism that has a resemblance, and a model, which is the organism it resembles. And as a result, it changes the behavior in a way that provides a selective advantage to the mimic. There are many examples of mimicry from butterflies to snakes. One example I found interesting was the mimicry that existed in insects such as bees and hoverflies, mimicking the more dangerous stinging wasps. So think yellow and black colored bugs, and when you see it, you think of it as a wasp, but then you realize that it's actually something else. Well, that is mimicry. Moving on to question number six. What is the process by which an unstable atomic nucleus spontaneously decays, increasing radiation in the form of particulates or electromagnetic waves? And that process is known as radioactivity or radioactive decay. Radioactive decay, also known as nuclear decay, radioactivity, radioactive disintegration, or nuclear disintegration, is the process by which an unstable atomic nucleus loses energy by radiation. A material containing unstable nuclei is considered radioactive. Three of the most common types of decay are alpha, beta, and gamma decay, all of which involve emitting particulates. The weak force is the mechanism that is responsible for beta decay, while the other two are governed by the electromagnetism and nuclear force. Radioactivity was discovered in 1896 by scientists Henry Becquerel and Marie Curie while working with phosphorescent materials. So once again, the process of the decay that those two discovered is called radioactivity. Question number seven. Which great lake is the deepest and has the greatest water volume. And that great lake is Lake Superior. Lake Superior is the largest freshwater lake in the world by surface area and the third largest by volume, holding 10% of the world's surface fresh water. Located in central North America, it is the northernmost and westernmost of the Great Lakes of North America, straddling the Canada-United States border with the Canadian province of Ontario to the north and east and the United States of Minnesota to the west and Wisconsin and Michigan to the south. It drains into Lake Huron via St. Mary's River, then through the lower Great Lakes to the St. Lawrence River and ultimately to the Atlantic Ocean. The Ojibwe name for the lake is Kichigami, meaning Great Sea. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote, his, wrote this name as Kichigumi in the poem The Song of the Hiawatha, as did Gordon Lightfoot in his song The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. A uh, quick fun fact, it takes 551 billion gallons of water to raise the water level of that lake one inch. That's equivalent to two trillion liters for non-U.S. listeners. So once again, it takes that much water, 500 billion gallons, roughly 2 trillion liters, 
for the water to raise just one inch, which I think is quite insane. Uh, but that is Lake Superior, the deepest and largest of the Great Lakes. Question number eight. What is the capital city of Canada? Okay, did you get the capital city of Canada? Well, that capital city is Ottawa. Now, I know what you might be thinking. That seems like an easy question. However, in my experience, many people that I know actually don't know the capital of Canada. If you got it correct, congratulations. But in my experience, when I ask people this, oftentimes they will guess cities like Toronto, Montreal, possibly even Quebec City. Uh, but Ottawa is the capital city of Canada. It is located in the southern portion of the province of Ontario at the confluence of the Ottawa River and the Rideau River. Ottawa borders Gatineau, Quebec, and forms the core of the Ottawa-Gatineau Census metropolitan area and the National Capital Region. As of 2021, Ottawa had a city population of about 1 million people and a metropolitan population of about 1.5 million people, making it the fourth largest city and fourth largest metropolitan area in Canada. A selection of Ottawa as the capital of Canada predates the Confederation of Canada. The selection was contentious and not straightforward at all, with the Parliament of the United Province of Canada holding more than 200 votes over several decades to attempt to settle on a legislative solution to the location of the capital. Ottawa was chosen as the capital for two primary reasons. First, Ottawa's isolated location, surrounded by dense forest far from the Canada-US border and situated on a cliff face. This would make it more defensible from an attack. Second, Ottawa was approximately midway between Toronto and Kingston in Canada West and Montreal and Quebec City in Canada East, making the selection an important political compromise. The first session of Parliament in the new capital took place in 1866. So once again, the capital city of Canada, a relatively challenging question. That city is Ottawa. Question number nine. What is the process by which a cell divides into two daughter cells, each with the same number of chromosomes as the parent cell? And that process is known as mitosis. In cell biology, mitosis is a part of the cell cycle in which replicated chromosomes are separated into two new nuclei. Cell division by mitosis gives rise to genetically identical cells in which the total number of chromosomes is maintained. Therefore, mitosis is also known as equation division. Mitosis varies between organisms. For example, animal cells undergo an open mitosis where the nuclear envelope breaks down before the chromosomes separate, whereas in fungi, uh, fungi undergo a closed mitosis where chromosomes divide within an intact cell nucleus. Most animal cells undergo a shape change known as mitoic cell rounding to adopt a near spherical morphology at the start of mitosis. Most human cells are produced by mitochic cell division, 
Important exceptions include the gametes, sperm, and egg cells, which are produced by meiosis. So not mitosis, but meiosis. But the process by which a cell divides into two daughter cells, once again, uh, that, is, uh, that is called mitosis. Moving on to our final question of the day. Question number 10. Which species of fish is known for its ability to produce electric shocks to navigate and communicate? And that species of fish is the electric eel. The electric eels are a genus, Electrophorus, of neotropical freshwater fish from South America in the family Gemotade. They are known for their ability to stun their prey by generating electricity, delivering shocks at up to 860 volts. Now, for reference, a standard American electrical outlet produces about 110 volts. Uh, I think European outlets are about 220, if I'm not mistaken. So that puts it in kind of reference for 860 volts from, uh, from an electric eel. Their electrical capabilities were first studied in 1775, contributing to the invention in 1800 of the electric battery. Now, despite their name, electric eels are not closely related to the true eels, but are members of the electroceptive knifefish order, um, I mispronounced this, I think, gymnotiforms. This order is more closely related actually to catfish. In 2019, electric eels were split into three species. For more than two centuries before that, the genus was believed to be monotypic, containing only electrophorous eels. They are nocturnal, obligate air-breathing animals with poor vision complemented by electrolocation. They mainly eat fish, and electric eels grow for as long as they live, adding more vertebrae to their spinal column. Males are typically larger than females, reaching over 2 meters long, and some in captivity have lived for over 20 years. So once again, that species of fish is, of course, the electric eel. Now that will conclude this round of My Daily Trivia. If you found this round, again, to be a little bit challenging, well, I encourage you to listen tomorrow. You just never know. You might learn something. You might even surprise yourself and know the answer to a challenging question. If, however, you found this round to be a little too easy, check in tomorrow. Friday is going to be our hardest day of the week. And as always, we encourage you to tell your friends, tell your family. We're always trying to grow the community here at My Daily Trivia. I want to thank each of you again for listening to My Daily Trivia. I'm your host, Danny, and I will see you tomorrow. <laughs>